This is The Art Life. Hello, I'm Zandra Robinson Burns, writer and the founder of Heroin Training, and I am so pleased to introduce my co-host, actress and activist, Grace Gordon. Grace, I usually start the show by asking how is your art life, and back in episode 19, you said that your art life was expansive and it was in part due to a hypnosis session with a healer named Amelia Fortes. I was so mesmerized by this story and curious to hear more about Amelia, who's also a self-love coach and many other things. And today, for this episode, you sat down with her virtually to welcome her as our second guest on the show. Yeah, I was so excited to finally get Amelia on because she's become such a friend of the show. Like I've talked about her a couple of times on episodes here, whether it's talking about like the hypnotherapy work I've been doing with her or just about us as friends because she's a very good friend of mine. And um, she was the first person I thought of who I wanted to bring on as my first sort of special guest interview because I feel like she just embodies what this show is about. Like our art life philosophy is so very much the way that she lives her life. Um, so heart-centered with so much intention and she is so in in touch with her her desire and and with you know that sort of slow present enjoyment of daily life amelia is someone who embodies that in every way and so i was just so glad that she was she was down to record and i don't know if i don't remember if we mentioned this in the interview so i wanted to just say that um we actually recorded this while she's in chile she is on a year-long remote work trip so she's living in a different country every month for the next year and i managed to you know schedule a call with her while she's in chile and obviously it's you know we're recording this during the coronavirus quarantines so it's a pretty crazy time but she's sticking it out and i mean talk about a fulfilled creative life like this woman just like structured her business in a way that she could go live internationally for a year and still be able to run her coaching business. So that was like a fun little fact I wanted to share with people because I do like a long introduction of what her work is and um, and my relationship with her at the beginning of our interview, but I wanted to make sure people knew that here. Well, if you weren't already on the edge of your seat waiting for this interview, I imagine that this is even more, uh, even more fascinating as we welcome Amelia on. And having listened to the interview, I will say that this felt like a top up. This is, this is a, Amelia uses the phrase filling your cup. And so I will leave you with that as you tune in to the interview, which is coming up next. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome back to The Art Life. I am so excited that we have launched our interview series 
And the first person that I thought of to get on the show was Amelia Fortes, who I've talked about a ton because she is my hypnotherapist and good, good friend. And my experience working working as one of her clients with her hypnotherapy has been so helpful to me in my my creative career. It helped me so much. So Amelia runs a podcast called Courageous Self-Love. Oh, and her, her coaching services are online as well at Self-Love Story. And, you know, Amelia, I, I, you were the first person I thought of to bring onto the show because, of course, your work has helped me so much. But also, this show is, it's not just about interviewing artists about, you know, the sort of formulaic, like, oh, how did you get to where you are today? We focus so much mm-hmm. more on enjoying the process of things and on daily life and daily practices. And, and I, w- I was like, I have to get Amelia on. So the first thing I wanted to ask you, though, before we get into like the, the, the meat of your work, um, is I've titled this episode Self-Love for Artists, and you have, you have titled so much of your own work, whether it's your podcast or your website, um, you know, this, this self-love oracle brand. You, you do so many things. You do coaching for, for you know, people in relationships. You do hypnotherapy. You have a lot of different ways that you, that you do your healing work. But I wanted to ask you, why did self-love become, why did that, why did that phrase self-love become the center of your brand and your work? Oh, absolutely. And first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, and I feel so blessed that you thought of me. Um, and thank you for asking that. It's one of my favorite questions um, that not a lot of people ask, actually. Um, but when I was coming up with my brand and, and what what it was that I really wanted to bring into the world, what is it that I want to teach? What is it at the core of everything that I want people to know and I want people to experience because, you know, I do have a financial background. So I help people with money. And as you mentioned, I help people with romantic relationships, whether they're single or in a relationship. I help artists. I help all of these types of people. And when I really looked at what is the core, what is the foundation or what is the the ribbon or the through line that gets tied around all of these quote unquote issues or challenges that I'm helping people with. And it's, it's self-love. And I say that self-love is the absolute must have no exceptions ingredient that you need in order to really create a truly meaningful and fulfilled life. Now, Certainly, people have created amazing results, made a lot of money, marriage, family, etc., um, without a lot of self-love. But in my experience and in the experiences of my students and my clients, it's so much better when we love ourselves, too, <laughs> underneath all of that. Yeah, I'm so glad that you just said that. I'm so glad you said that because it, that's also what our show is about. It's about not mm-hmm. obsessing over like product oriented goals. It's about really being present in the process of things. And it's such a good point that you just brought up that like 
you know, there are a lot of people who have a lot of money or are, you know, successful in their business or have a marriage but aren't happy, maybe mm-hmm. have those those pretty outcome of outcome product oriented things, but they're mm-hmm. they don't love themselves and they're not happy. And of course we see that with tons of artists and celebrities. So I'm really glad Absolutely. that we're doing this episode with you because this is so important. Um, it is. And, and, and that actually, it reminds me to ask you the question that I've been really curious about because I don't know the answer to this. Do you yeah. do a lot of healing work for artists? Yeah, um, I do. And actually, um, I was curious because when I, when I hear the word artist, I, of course, have my own definition. So first I was curious, how does the art life, how, does, how, do, you, how do you and your co-hosts define artists? Sure. So we definitely, we say everyone's an artist. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. your career to call yourself an artist. But we do mean, like the phrase definitely means all different mediums. So we, we mm-hmm. can mean writers, actors, painters, dancers, anything under that umbrella. But we do mm-hmm. encourage people to expand their view beyond just people who make their living doing art. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad I asked because I, I do share that definition as well. Um, I was going to say, you know, all my clients are artists, whether or not they paint or draw. I love the that answer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they all are. And uh, the beautiful thing about that is um, through the self-love healing work that I do, I would say 100% of the people that would not identify themselves as an artist ends up identifying themselves as an artist because it's through the self-love work that we do that we uncover or heal or peel back a lot of the layers that have kept them from their most creative expression. And I cannot tell you how many people, whether they're a nurse or in the financial field, after a few sessions with me will realize, oh my gosh, I miss painting. I miss drawing. I miss dancing. I used to do it all the time when I was a kid. Yeah. So they're all artists in, in that regard because of what gets uncovered, but also, you know, there, I think everyone's an artist. I, you know, I used to work on wall street um, and I wouldn't have considered myself an artist back then, but now looking back at all the creative spreadsheets and PowerPoint presentations I did, I would say, heck yeah, I was an artist even back then before I would have considered myself one. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really beautiful to see. One of my favorite, favorite stories was, one of my clients I was working with, and um, she's a software developer. And we were working through this feeling of her feeling stuck and frustrated. And we were doing just, you know, that peel back the layers work that I do with people in session. And she, the most beautiful breakthrough came through and she said, I miss painting. I, I miss it so much. And I said, yeah, so, so why not paint? Like, who says just because this is your career now that you have to stop that? And I will tell you, the next week she texted me and she was commissioned for two paintings. Of course she was. was like, of course she was, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It was like my favorite story ever. And she, it almost felt like before we uncovered and did that healing work, 
it almost felt like she forgot that she was a painter. Cause when she said it, she was like, Oh my gosh, like I love to paint. And it was like, she was rediscovering herself. Um, and then she got commissioned for art pieces like the next week. And we're just, we both were just like, what, how did that even happen? Um, so it's, it's really, really wonderful to see things like that. Well, and I think that there's, there's so many stories of that. I mean, even in my own life, where the yeah. internal work has to be done before before the, the outcomes that you think you want can unfold. Mm-hmm. Or, you, you know, yeah. or you, because I, I know both sides of it in my own life. I certainly know both sides of it where once the internal work is going, um, like when I started hypnotherapy with you, my, the opportunities that all of a sudden started happening that started coming to me, they were so much more fulfilling than even mm-hmm. other things that may have worked out or not worked out. But it's, it's, it's moves beyond, Oh, you know, I'm getting the things that I wanted. I'm manifesting the things that I wanted. And it's like, I'm manifesting things that are actually good for me. I'm manifesting things yeah. that are, that are fully, fully fulfilling for me um, yeah. outside of just, I want money, you know? Absolutely. And no, and that's why the self-love work is so important because we can be quote unquote doing the right things. And there's like all these workshops out there for like how to make money and how to do this, but the fulfilling piece, the resonance piece, the, the piece where you're actually attracting what resonates with you on a deeper, fuller level, that's the piece that makes all the difference. And it's that, that radical self-love and self-acceptance that will attract that to you. So how have you seen self-love practices or self-love journeys help artists with their actual work? Yeah. So the first piece, um, that's such a great question. The first piece is like with with the client that I just told you about. Um, Sometimes we bury the things that bring us the most joy so deep down that we don't have access to it even in our, our conscious life, right? Like like I said, when it was revealed through our session, it was almost as if it sounded like she forgot that she loved this thing. So I think the self-love practices is really about no getting to know yourself at deeper and deeper levels, but also just uncovering what's already there. And there's a lot of, you know, should-itis out there, should Mm. you should be doing this you should be doing that and the self-love practices are about letting go of the should because here's the thing every single person is going to have an opinion on on what you should be doing and the ultimate self-love practice is well what but what do I want to be doing what makes me happy I'm the one that has to go to bed with myself every night I'm the one that literally has to spend every second with myself so who am I really trying to make happy? My parents, who most of our parents don't understand the point of art because of how they grew up, society, right. you know, et cetera. Um, so it's first like admitting what you really desire. And oftentimes that's harder than it seems. Like a lot of people, a lot of my clients too, I mean, because I'm a very headstrong, opinionated person. And so of course, I attract a lot of very headstrong, opinionated people who are like, oh, I know what I want. I'm on track. I know, I know, I know. But then through a couple of sessions or just some peeling back of the layers, 
you know, we have someone like, oh my gosh, I miss dancing. I haven't danced in 10 years or I miss painting or I really want to be a speaker. I really want to be a writer, etc. So admitting what you even want is often a very big first step. And do you find that people have buried those desires and those dreams because of the shoulds that society put on them or parents put on them? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, with hypnotherapy and the healing work that I do, I work a lot with the subconscious mind. That's where a lot of my studies came from, the inner workings of the mind. And just to give you and your listeners and everyone an idea of how powerful the subconscious mind is, if any of you know how to drive, if you remember the first time you've ever driven, or if you don't know how to drive, anytime you've gone somewhere for the first time, right? And you're looking at the directions and you're really paying attention to what, what turn you need to make where, all the landmarks, okay, there's a gas station on this corner, there's three red lights or three traffic lights. And with driving, it's like, okay, I got to push this pedal this hard and this is how fast the car goes. And I got to push this pedal this hard and that's how I stop. And I got to put my hands here. It's like we're constantly using all this mind power on how to do something that we've never done before. However, when we've done it a million times, our subconscious can kind of take over and put us in autopilot. Now, the reason, so then you don't even have to think about it. Like if you've gone somewhere that you've been a million times, you know, you'll just end up there. And sometimes we'll be like, how did I even get here? Like I wasn't consciously thinking about it, but your subconscious basically drove you there or took you there. And the reason why I'm bringing that up, just to bring it back full circle to your question, is the shoulds of society and of our parents and of our culture and our peers and school and teachers, they're constantly giving you messages to your brain, to your subconscious mind. And so Mm -hmm. we're taking all of that information in, and then it becomes programmed where, you know, math is prioritized over, math class is prioritized over art class. And we don't even think to question it because the collective unconscious has just made this agreement that that's the case, right? So we bury these desires because we want to belong. We don't want to shame our family. We want to make our parents proud. We want to make society proud. And if the messages that we're getting from society is, you know, being a doctor, being a government worker, being an accountant, Like, these are the acceptable, this is the list of acceptable careers to pursue in order to be, to belong to society. We subconsciously are burying our true desires because we don't want to go against society because we want to belong. And we don't even realize we're doing it because, again, it's on autopilot, like when we're driving for the millionth time or when we're going somewhere for the millionth time, we don't really think about it. It just kind of happens. Do you think that those beliefs about artists are as bad as they have been? Or do you think that it's changing? Like, do you think that Gen Z is still absorbing the same messages about what is an acceptable job? Or do you think that like social media and the internet and sort of the opportunities that have come from that world, do you think that it's changed people's views of what it means to be an artist professionally? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's absolutely changed. And I think social media and especially YouTube has done a lot to change that because nowadays, you know, you can ask a child, 
a 10 year old nowadays, or even a five year old, like, what do you want to be? And then they can say, I want to be a YouTube star, or I want to be an influencer. And those terms didn't even exist when I was a kid. You yeah. Know? So it's certainly more acceptable for Gen Z and younger, even though it makes Gen X and earlier <laughs> still be like, what the heck, you know? <laughs> um, they just don't understand it still. But certainly the younger generations are. And like, if you even look at um, the content of TV shows and things like that, right? Like when I was a kid, the content was very like nuclear family focused and the characters, like the parents were in those societally acceptable jobs, right? But now you look at like Disney Channel original shows or Nickelodeon or whatever. And yeah, they're famous youtube stars or something famous singers or you know so the content is definitely shifting in that direction and especially with things like tiktok and twitch like everyone everyone's an influencer nowadays so i do think it's shifting um i wish it would shift faster (laughs) yeah and i've also felt like i mean i'm like the youngest millennial you know i'm in that that Mm -hmm. that um generation I have felt in in my own art life like the people who have been the most critical or or you know attempted to judge or shame me for my choices as an artist are usually the most repressed like I think that Mm -hmm. often it's those who are who are artists themselves and who made the choice to not be that um who listened to the rules of society or of their families and I find that you know the 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 most viciousness or judgment um comes from people who are are more upset with themselves you know internally for not creating for not for not making art for not making that choice for themselves when they were young absolutely and that's such a great point and that actually brings us back full circle to why self-love is so important because if those people did not subconsciously continue to self-loathe and Mm -hmm. bury those desires then they wouldn't be repressed and then they would probably or not probably I'm sure they would be celebrating the creative expression of those who are doing it and that's And that's also like such a good point because yeah, mostly the critics and the haters are the ones who aren't doing it themselves because anyone that I know that is doing what I'm doing or in the realm of doing what I'm doing or doing what you're doing, don't criticize at all. Like not even a little bit, if if only just to be constructive and to support and to uplift, but to to tear down and to be vicious, no way, because we know what it takes. We know the courageous self-love, if you will, that it requires the inner work, the inner resolve, the bravery that it requires to be fully expressed in whatever, through whatever medium feels good. Well, and I, I mean, you are based in LA. I know that you're not, you're not here right now, but you're based in this Mm -hmm. area. And yeah, I know that you'll, you will understand as someone who is such an open hearted person and such a, a, a positive encouraging friend that you know a circumstance that that I run into that I'm sure you've run into too here (laughs) is um 
the competition, even between friends, where whether it's in the entertainment industry or the arts or just the professional world at all, this this feeling of like your jealousy affecting people so much that they don't want their friends to succeed. And that, I mean, I'm like, the thing that I love about acting, which is my, you know, main pursuit, is that like, I, one thing that I love about it is that I know that, you know, you can get two blonde 24 year old actresses in a room and have us read the same, the same script, the same scene. And we will do it so differently mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of who we are. Yeah. If we're tapped into our real, our real true selves, our performance will be so different. What individual actors, even if they look very similar, what they bring to a role is so different. And I love that. And it makes me feel like, well, I'm not really in competition with anyone. You know, I'm just looking to find the right thing for me. I'm looking to find the right project and find the right people. And I feel so confused and like even I feel very resistant to actors or artists or even teachers, teachers who drill in this heavy sense of competition and scarcity because I just it's like not real. I, I believe that the person who's right for the role is, you know, it's going to be because they bring something special because of who they are. Yeah. And I, I think that that self-love work is, is so important because of that, because it's about finding the truth in of who you are and having acceptance for that and following your desires. Otherwise you're going to resent anyone who reaches success because yeah. you're going to think that they're taking something away from you. Absolutely. And I, I mean, honestly, I really commend your, your viewpoint and how you, your perception of that, because that is a really healthy, abundant, self-loving place from which to view Thanks. that situation. I have a good healer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You should, really, you should, what's her number? <laughs> No, but it's 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 really really good, and and the scarcity versus the abundance, and it it the self love piece does support with that because it is easy to have the two blonde twenty four year olds, you know, same height, pretty much almost same measurements, everything, right? Actress doing it differently, but then to see like that different that difference is not a reason to feel insecure. It's a reason to love yourself even more like, Oh, wow, that's how she did it. But this is how I did it. And I mean, that is the courageous self love work. And the thing is about, I call it courageous self love is because it requires um, you to hit your edges. And what I mean is like to be a little bit uncomfortable. And the reason why the jealousy comes up is because it will highlight the insecurities that you might have. And so if you're not secure in your capabilities as an actress, let's say just to go with that example of the two similar looking women going for the same role, if you are not secure and loving yourself in in your ability as an actor in the way that you look in all of that, you can interpret any result in a self-loathing or not self-loving way. Like even, let's say you get the role, you can say, oh, well then they just felt bad for me or, oh, it's because I have more followers. Like you can, and you can twist anything any way. 
Or if you don't get the role and the other person does, you can use that to beat yourself up and say, it's because I'm a crappy actress. I knew it. Or I'm not as pretty or I'm not tall enough or, or she slept, she must've slept with someone, you know, Mm -hmm. we can twist any situation based on where our mentality is at. And that's one of the things that I'm always paying attention to is how people talk because how people talk shows how they think. And how people behave, because also how they behave shows how they think, how they respond to things shows how they think. And this is why self-love is the absolute must-have ingredient, because especially as an actor in Los Angeles, I mean, yeah, you'll go in any audition room and realize, well, I pretty much look like 900 (laughs) other people. (laughs) Totally. Who also all took the same classes from this teacher and that teacher and this intensive and UCB and second city and whatever. And so you truly have to love and honor yourself in order to be able to get through that from a place of integrity, from a place of honesty, from a place of compassion, 100,000%. I mean, I think they should, I think self-love should be a university. And you know what? I just might make it one. Please do. I would love to finally, I'll finally go to college if you, (laughs) I'll finally make my parents happy and go to college. (laughs) Self-love university. Yeah, now society will accept me. Exactly. (laughs) So I was, I was so curious um, because I know that you've, I do know that you've had clients many clients, especially being based in LA, who are professional artists of some kind, come to you and, you know, open and have their lives expand through through the self-love work that they do with you. And I'm wondering what are some of like the most common major blocks that you see many of your artist clients struggle with? I know right now I just touched on like a feeling of scarcity or um, jealousy. And I'm curious what else there is that you see reoccur a lot. Yeah. Um, great, great question. Hand down, um, the money piece, which I'll go into, and then also the visibility piece, um, which again, everything ties to self-love, which I can tie everything to self-love, but the money piece, there's this belief of what one should be compensated for, for their art, whether it's acting, writing, drawing, painting, coding, graphic design, whatever. Not only the amount of what to be compensated, but the fact that they should even be compensated. Um, There's such a tendency to want to give away their art, their genius for free. Um, And there's such a guilt and or shame around even wanting to be compensated And then once they've decided that they want to be compensated, it's like the how much they should be compensated for. There's so many blocks around even just making a decision for like what their minimum allowable payment should be. And then beyond the actual dollars, it's like the standing up and the setting boundaries around their time, around the terms. There's just so much that I feel artists that I see artists like throw to the, just throw away around everything. And it's not just money like dollars, but it's like I said, around their time, around um, just boundaries and communication. Um, I see a lot of artists like 
just for the money, they'll basically crawl through glass for like mm. a day rate of a hundred dollars, you know? Yeah. And I do, it's definitely a self-love piece, but it's also like society at largest quote unquote fault, if we want to point the finger at someone. But um, it's one of the reasons why money, self-love and money is a big thing that I, I teach workshops on. I teach classes on, I take clients through three months long programs on either in groups or as in, or individually. Um, money is, is, is something that is a through line in not just artists, but everyone's life. But money is definitely one of the biggest, biggest blocks that I, we're going to have to get you back on the show at some point because Zandra, my co-host Zandra and I are both moon and Capricorn women. And we love talking about money and um, we want to do a whole series about money because it's so important. And it would be so great to have you back to to talk about this even more. Um, I remember a conversation I had with you years ago where I brought up something about you know, oh, well, lots going well, you know, oh, I did my little superficial, like, mm, here's what I'm good at thing. Um, <laughs> and yeah. then I said something like, but the areas I'm struggling with are like men and money. And mm. you were like, well, those are like the, the big <laughs> self-love and self-worth <laughs> things. You're like, Grace, like yeah. those are the big themes. Yeah. Because it's men like, are you accepting what you're worth or are you know are you going are you uh are you receiving are you settling for the worst or you know the the smallest possible thing smallest possible amount of money are you dreaming for more for yourself and I just I mean that was a conversation we had years ago and I it really stopped me in my tracks because Mm -hmm. I was like here I am sort of just listing, listing things that are going smoothly, but the major, major um, signifiers of having like healthy self-love and self-worth are my major traps or my major areas of problems. Uh, So that really made me you know, want to do so much more healing work, which has obviously been so helpful and, and necessary for me. And you said it perfectly. Um, like, are you, oh gosh, I don't even, but essentially you just said something like, are you, are you getting the whole cake or are you settling for the crumbs? That's like one of my metaphors. And add to like, to your question about what are some of the biggest blocks that I see with the artists I work with, it's that, like they settle for crumbs all the time. And even when I encourage them to ask for the whole cake, it's like, then they look at me like I'm the bad person, you know, which of course that's, I'm being dramatic by explaining it that way because <laughs> in session it's much more safe and we, we move through those blocks. But, you know, it's interesting to me as a self-love teacher, all I'm doing is asking people to love themselves more and their initial knee-jerk reaction is to look at me like I'm the bad person, like I'm asking too much. And I'm just like, dude, mm. <laughs> you know, which of course that that's where those are the layers that get to be peeled back and healed, right? So I'm saying it like in a funny way just for illustrative purposes, but that's the work. That's the work that I do in session where how do we peel back those layers? How do we really look at your beliefs around money and what you're worth, what your time is worth, what your gift is worth, 
and the beliefs that have been shaped around that from culture, society, peers, parents, family of origin, all of that, and peeling back all those layers um, to really reveal what's right for you. And you know, not everyone is like, okay, I'm working for free and now I'm a millionaire. So usually with people, I'll work that like work a self-love budget with them and a plan. And it's something that I call the the inner price is right. <laughs> um, what is your inner price is right? Like, okay, this person might be charging this much, but for you, for where you're at now, energetically, what's right for you? And then slowly but surely increasing that, of course, right to your, you know, ideal six, six figures a year or seven figures a year salary. Um, but yeah, it's, there's a lot that goes into money <laughs> for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd love to be on love money budget. I love talking about money. <laughs> yes, I would love that. Uh, what is a self-love budget? So a self-love budget is where um, we really look at your numbers, right? And it's interesting. What I know about money is most, if not all, of the fears and blocks that artists have about money is all emotional. And it's not even based in fact. And so when I start asking questions, you know, I hear artists all the time, there's not enough. I don't have enough. How, how am I going to afford this? I can't pay my bills all of the, these statements about what there isn't or what they don't have. And then I start asking questions like, okay, well, how much do you spend on this a month or what? And they often don't know the answers, not just artists, all my, my clients, but for the purposes of your question. Right. Um, yeah. So they don't know. And so oftentimes they don't even know their numbers. So a self-love budget is really about first, like, let's get to know your numbers, right? So let's, let's get to know where you're at now. And there's so many, you know, again, like I said, I've been on Wall Street. I've worked with Robert Kiyosaki, who's the best-selling author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I've worked with all of his advisors, all these like money people, right? So I kind of take like the boring money stuff and I, I make it workable and fun. Um, that's why it's a self-love budget. And we actually look at your numbers, where you currently are and where you want to be. And how do we responsibly and effectively work your budget so that we can get you from where you are to where you want to be? And oftentimes people don't even have a budget, right? Um, and I usually with a self-love budget, I make recommendations for like, okay, this percentage of your income should go here. This percentage should go there. Um, and of course, they're just my recommendations in the spirit of self-love. I always encourage and tell my clients, you know best. So hear my recommendation, hear my teaching, but ultimately you decide what you want, you know. So for an artist, let's just say acting, right? Okay, well, I want to spend money on classes or I need to get new headshots. And so it's like, okay, we make these categories for where the, the money should go and how it should go from a place where it comes from abundance and not from scarcity. Cause a lot of times I hear artists speak in very scarcity um, terminology of mm -hmm. like, Oh yeah, I should, I should go to therapy, but how am I supposed to afford that? Or I can't afford that. Like with what money? So many artists talk about how much money they don't have, which I'm already like, I have to like nip that in the bud. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Cause it, it starts with how you talk about it as well. 
Well, speaking of perspective shifts, the question mm-hmm. that I've most wanted to ask you that I've been leading up to um, is, is I'm wondering who your favorite artists are who practice and preach self-love. Who are the artists who who preach the kind of self-love and an abundance perspective that you teach? Who do you look to in the media and celebrate? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so... So many. Um, so the the people that come to mind, they're just the people that popped up first. So in no particular order, but I absolutely love um, a dancer choreographer. Her name is Paris Goebel, and I don't know if I'm saying her last name right. Sorry, Paris, but um, she's basically choreographed for everyone. She did the Yummy. I mean, not Yummy. Um, the Sorry music video, Justin Bieber. That was her choreography, and I awesome. actually met her in the dance world, um, like right before or like b- years before she really blew up. Um, but you know, she's she's a chunky brown girl from New Zealand, and she owns her body, and she talks mm. about that. The reason why I say chunky brown girl that might sound like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that about her. If you go to her Instagram, she literally recently posted like a naked photo of herself calling herself a chunky brown girl. And she was basically sharing how, you know, I used to feel really ugly and that I wasn't accepted in the dance industry because of how she looked. Um, But she's a wickedly talented, like the most talented choreographer and dancer ever. And I am living for all her posts nowadays because she's mostly like naked or on these um, fashion runways and like lingerie. Um, she choreographed Rihanna's um, Savage Fenty fashion show. Um, Amazing. And Rihanna is, is another artist who, um, yes. oh, yes. who I love as a self-love artist. Um, Sasha Banks, she's a, she talked about self-love in a recent interview and how she was this world-renowned wrestler for the WWE, right? And then she like went dark for a while as most of us do before mm. our spiritual awakening. And she came back and she spoke a lot about it was the self-love piece that was missing. So interestingly, you know, all of, like we can look at her, we looked at her as like, oh my gosh, she has everything. She's this really successful wrestler, but she didn't love herself. And now seeing her come back after this self-love awakening, I'll call it. I mean, she, I, can ju- I can just tell she like glows from within. Um, and just some other honorable mentions, of course, like um, Erica Lust, who I love what she has to say yes. about sex um, and making our desires and sex normalized. Um, Erica Hart, who is a, she's an educator around sexuality and gender and race and all of that. And she just posts herself so raw. Um, Zahira Kelly Cabrera, who is also known as Bad Dominicana. Really just these bold women who like are mostly just like naked, literally and figuratively out Yes, there. cracked she, open yeah, all cracked, out there. And not just cracked open and raw, but also openly challenging society like those are the people that I really root for and that I follow I don't follow many people but I follow them (laughs) well it's so it's so healing for me to hear you say that because it's like as someone with my own hang-ups as we all have mine being you know being too bold too loud too too this too that too much right I think a lot of women 
have that going on internally. It's always so healing when I, when I come together with other women and we talk about artists like the ones that you listed and we talk about these, these most raw, vulnerable, bold, challenging women, complicated women, and that those are the people who inspire us. I'm like, oh, yes. Okay, it's not just me. Wait, we all want this? Good. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I think it's that's why I'm so grateful for podcasts like The Art Life and artists like you and, and Zandra, right? It, it's because we do have the bubble of, of our community to uplift each other. But then I always get reminded when I go, quote, unquote, out back into the real world, quote unquote, and still see how far we have to go. So I'm yeah. grateful for artists like you and I um, and, and the women that were named and also the women that we haven't named. Um, but we still have a long way to go <laughs> um, before society at large, you know, kind of accepts all of this. And, and you know what? Maybe they never will. And I guess fiery women like us be like that anyway. So yeah, fine. give us something to push up against. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what motivates us. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad that you you mentioned just now that you yourself are an artist. And I, I would just want to hear a little bit about your art and how your healing work has influenced your art. Yeah, um, that's such a good question. Like, art is how I express myself. And um, they both influence each other, right? The interesting thing is when I'm connected to my art, and my art is dance. I love dance, all kinds of dance, burlesque, pole, hip-hop, contemporary, modern, um, aerial silks, and any any movement, anything I can do with my body, I'm into it. Um, And also... I'm not very good. Well, maybe I'm better than I think, but I love to draw. Drawing just really brings out something, a, a, like a, an inner knowing, an inner child-like amazingness, innocent wonderment. Um, and I would actually say that my art influences my healing more than mm-hmm. the other way around, which is really beautiful to say. And I didn't know I would say that like this just came out, but it, it's, it's really beautiful and I think so important, especially for, for the subject of this podcast as a whole, like art is the healing, right? Mm. Like I wouldn't be the healer that I could be. And I wouldn't like art is what fills my cup. And only from a full cup. Yeah. Only from a full cup. Can I then go and heal from my overflow? And can I help others in the way that I'm truly meant to? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I really felt that, that land. Yeah, I felt it in my heart. Like, yeah. 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 Well, I want to end the interview there because that was so beautiful. So, so beautiful. And I, I, I just, I can't wait to hear what people think of this episode because this is like the exact com- kind of conversation that I want to be having about art making, about this this title of artist and what it means. I mean, this is this is exactly what I was hoping for and more. So thank you so much. And I'll be linking to your website in this, you know, in our show notes. But is there anywhere else that you want people to find you that you'd like me to link to? 
Um, yeah, uh, Instagram, I'm really active on there and my website and my YouTube channel, which I will soon be posting videos of my worldly travels. <laughs> um, so yeah, those are the main places that I'm active. Awesome. Well, I can't wait for more people to discover you through us. And I can't wait to have you back. I, I think you're Yay. a great person for a money series. Um, that would be so okay. fun. I love talking about money. And I love that you both love talking about money. <laughs> oh, we love it. We're like, we can't yeah. wait. <laughs> money is so, my favorite. <laughs> yes. So, Amelia, what is the art life? The art life is life. There is no difference. Yes. Life is yes. the ultimate piece. And I wanted to say artists are healers. Wow. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. You're welcome. Oh, to mention the meme, you know, because we're recording this during like the whole global pandemic right yeah um, my favorite my favorite coronavirus meme is in your darkest days when everything turned off as you're netflix binging your 13th show remember when everything shut down and the days were the darkest you turned to artists i think you know everyone who struggles with their own internal blocks about being an artist and about creating could learn so much from this time about the value of art. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I hope that, that everyone not just starts, you know, treating artists with more respect or, um, but, but values their creative power within themselves. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So thank you so much for coming on the show and I look forward to having you back. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Thank you to all of you listening. Hey, Grace. Hi, Zandra. What is the art life? The art life is abundant. I I feel my cup filled, you know, just talking to her and, and listening to her wisdom. I can't help but just love life after speaking to Amelia. So my art life, our art lives, the art life is abundant. <laughs> Zandra, what is the art life? The art life is love. It is as simple and as powerful as that. And I, I am so thankful for the way that this interview was started with that grounding in in simplicity that self-love and art are integrated and that it, it is it can be that simple that doesn't mean that it's easy although Amelia makes it seem like it is but it's such a wonderful reminder I hope that everyone listening to the episode just got as much as I did because I feel like I learned so much from her. I mean, I feel like I do every time I speak to her, but I'm so glad that I got to have a recording and like share it with our listeners because I want to do that every time I talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, your wish has come true, and I totally see why. I was so amazed by how she was talking about art in such a inexpansive way that uh, that we already celebrate on the show. So it was so exciting to bring in another voice who is um, who is in agreement with us, but also adding her own sparkle to the conversation. And I love how she was saying that she's an artist because she's a dancer, but also that she was an artist on Wall Street making spreadsheets. I love this continual expansion of the of the term artist and how she came to the idea that art is healing as well as healing helping artists. It's so it, it's also um, it's it's also I want to say a, a different word from integrated, but it is it is also integrated and in like in a, in a hug kind of way. <laughs> I'm sure she will love that piece of feedback. Yeah. And I mean, it just it reminds me, right? Like people say hurt people hurt people, but healed people can heal people. And, you know, when you've done a lot of work on your self-love and done a lot of work on your your internal world, you can help other people, whether it's just in your relationships or with your art. And like, that's what I'm here for. You know, that's what I want to do. And it was, it's just such a affirming interview, such an affirming conversation. And Amelia just like, she just owns her power too. I mean, you just get this sense, whether she's talking about her time on Wall Street or she's talking about dancing or coaching, like, you're just like, wow, this is a powerful person who has, who, who really like owns it. And you just want to be around that. Yeah, she, this is what I meant by she makes it seem easy, is that she has this gentle confidence that is inspiring. And I'm so glad that we got to speak with her and introduce her to everyone who listens to the show. So thank you, Amelia, for taking that time with Grace. Yeah, thank you so much, Amelia. And everyone, you know, if you're listening, you want to check out her podcast. We have links to her website and her podcast um, below in the show notes. And uh, please check out her work. It's just absolutely incredible. She also has like a an oracle deck that she designed that's awesome. Um, but, you know... In the meantime, I'm so glad that we had Amelia on the show, that we had Rory a couple episodes ago, and we have so many more interviews to come. So thank you all for listening. And if you have requests for your favorite artists, please send their names our way. We want to take your requests into consideration and to discover new artists through who you are excited about. So... From my side of the world, I will wish you a good morning. And from my side of the world, I wish you a good night. This is The Art Life, a heroin training podcast with Grace Gordon and me, Zandra Robinson Burns. You can find us online at theartlife.show and send letters to The Art Life, care of Grace Gordon. 
P.O. Box number 4292, Valley Village, California, 91607. Or email us, theartlife at heroinetraining.com. Our theme music is The Stream by Rory. Thank you for joining us.